This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of hydatidiform mole from the reproductive section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 27-year-old female presents to the emergency department at 11 weeks of gestation with two days of vaginal bleeding and pelvic pressure, as well as multiple daily episodes of non-bloody, non-bilious emesis over the past week. The patient states the bleeding is like heavy spotting with dark purplish-colored blood. On exam, the uterus is larger than expected for gestational age. An ultrasound is performed and shows a snowstorm appearance of the uterus with absence of a fetus. Now, let's get into the topic. As a quick overview, a hydatidiform mole is a type of gestational trophoblastic disease, or GTD. Molar pregnancies are considered premalignant. When malignant, they are termed gestational trophoblastic neoplasia, or GTN, for example, choriocarcinoma. Molar pregnancies originate in the placenta and has the potential to invade the uterus and metastasize. In terms of epidemiology, the incidence of molar pregnancies is 66 to 121 per 100,000 pregnancies. In terms of demographics, hydatidiform moles have higher rates in Latin American, Asian, and Middle Eastern countries. Risk factors include extremes of maternal age, as well as history of a previous mole. The classification of moles include complete moles and partial moles. Complete moles have a genotype of 46XX or 46XY, and they are formed from an empty ovum fertilized by a single sperm. This results in duplication of paternal genetic material, where all the DNA is from the sperm. Complete moles have a higher risk of transformation into choriocarcinoma, where 15 to 20% transform. Partial moles have a genotype of 69XXX, 69XXY, or 69XYY, and these are formed from a normal ovum that is fertilized by two sperm. Partial moles are less likely to transform into choriocarcinoma, where only 1 to 5% transform. In terms of presentation, symptoms of a hydatidiform mole are an exaggeration of normal pregnancy symptoms due to extremely high beta-HCG, and these symptoms include hyperemesis gravidum, which is extreme nausea slash vomiting, vaginal bleeding, which will manifest with prune juice discharge due to accumulated blood in the uterine cavity that is oxidized and liquefied, and pelvic discomfort, which can manifest with pain or pressure. On physical exam, pelvic exam will reveal a uterus larger than expected for gestational age, which is more common in complete moles. Other findings on physical exam may include a possible adnexal mass and a possible grape-like mass in the vagina. In terms of imaging, a transvaginal ultrasound is indicated when the beta-HCG is greater than 100,000 milli-international units per milliliter. Findings on transvaginal ultrasound can include a central heterogeneous mass with numerous discrete anechoic spaces, as well as snowstorm, cluster of grapes, or honeycomb appearance on older ultrasounds. In the setting of a partial mole, transvaginal ultrasound may reveal fetal parts and amniotic fluid, abnormally wide gestational sacs, and abnormally-looking placenta. Finally, another finding may be ovarian thecalutin cysts, which are more likely in complete moles. In terms of studies, the major lab value to follow is an increased beta-HCG, which again is defined as greater than 100,000 milli-international units per milliliter. Complete moles tend to have a greater beta-HCG than partial moles. The differential diagnosis for a hydatidiform mole include a normal pregnancy and a miscarriage. 
Key distinguishing factors between a normal pregnancy and a mole pregnancy include that in a normal pregnancy, the uterus size is appropriate for gestation, beta-HCG will be within normal pregnancy range, and a uterine pregnancy is visualized on ultrasound. With respect to a miscarriage, key distinguishing factors between a miscarriage and a molar pregnancy is that in a miscarriage, the beta-HCG will be normal or decreased, a uterine pregnancy is visualized on ultrasound, plus or minus open cervical os on exam, and plus or minus vaginal passage of fetal parts. In terms of treatment for a high form mole, there are medical treatments and surgical treatments. Medical treatments include Rogam, which is indicated in all RHD-negative mothers with vaginal bleeding if the father is RHD-positive or unknown. In terms of modalities, Rogam can be administered as a single intramuscular or intravenous dose. Surgical treatments include suction and curatage, or DNC. This is indicated for both diagnostic and therapeutic purposes. DNC is first-line treatment for mole, and remember pathology confirms the diagnosis. In terms of follow-up, make sure you trend beta-HCG weekly. Indications to trend beta-HCG weekly include all patients with a confirmed mole and or elevated beta-HCG. If the beta-HCG continues to uptrend, work up the patient for choriocarcinoma. Now, let's end this review session talking about some complications. So complications of a hydatidiform mole can include choriocarcinoma, ovarian thecalutin cysts, hyperthyroidism, preeclampsia, and respiratory distress. Choriocarcinoma is the malignant product of gestational contents, and this manifests with very high beta-HCG that does not downtrend after surgical treatment for a mole. Choriocarcinoma can metastasize to the lungs and the brain and requires surgery and chemotherapy. Ovarian thecalutin cysts are bilateral, multicystic ovaries that are often septated. These form secondary to beta-HCG stimulation, and they can also cause hyperandrogenism. Ovarian thecalutin cysts also are associated with multiple gestational pregnancy, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and ovulation induction due to stimulation by elevated levels of beta-HCG. Other complications include hyperthyroidism, preeclampsia, and respiratory distress, which is usually secondary to trophoblastic embolization. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 32-year-old woman presents to her obstetrician for concern of vaginal bleeding. The patient is Gravita 2, Parity 1, and her last menstrual period was approximately 18 weeks ago. The patient has not presented for prenatal care. The patient's first pregnancy was uncomplicated, and delivery occurred at home. Approximately 100 cc's of blood was found in the vaginal canal. The fundal height was determined to be 25 centimeters. Transvaginal ultrasound demonstrates a heterogeneous mass in the uterine cavity with multiple anechoic spaces. The decision was made to perform a dilation and curatage. The patient's postoperative course was uncomplicated. Which of the following is a characteristic feature of this patient's clinical presentation? And the choices are 1. Boggy, tender uterus. 2. Chronic pelvic pain. 3. Friable cervix. 4. Nodular pelvic exam. And 5. Vomiting. The correct answer to this question is 5. Vomiting. So this patient with vaginal bleeding, heterogeneous appearance on ultrasound, and a large uterine size likely has a complete mole, which is also associated with severe vomiting. 
to quickly review, a complete mole, also known as a hydatidiform mole, develops when an empty egg is fertilized by two sperm. As a result, the mole develops with 46 paternal chromosomes and no fetal parts. The complete mole is characterized by elevated beta-HCG, a uterine size larger than expected for the gestational age, and a heterogeneous snowstorm or cluster of grapes appearance of the uterine contents on ultrasound. These patients tend to present with hyperemesis gravidum along with painless vaginal bleeding. Hyperemesis gravidum is characterized by severe nausea and vomiting that starts early in the pregnancy. An incomplete mole consists of 23 maternal chromosomes and 46 paternal chromosomes and will also demonstrate fetal parts. The uterine size is typically normal for an incomplete mole. A complete mole may progress to choriocarcinoma if untreated. As a result, after removal of the mole, the patient should have routine follow-up with serial beta-HCG measurements along with contraception to ensure that treatment has been successful and to monitor for persistent or malignant gestational trophoblastic disease. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, a boggy tender uterus is seen in adenomyosis. Endometrial glands invade the uterine myometrium, which can result in dysmenorrhea. Hydatidiform moles present with painless vaginal bleeding. Answer 2, chronic pelvic pain can be seen in a variety of gynecologic conditions, including conditions causing dysmenorrhea, such as endometriosis. Hydatidiform moles generally present with painless vaginal bleeding. Answer 3, a friable cervix suggests cervicitis or other infectious etiologies. This can be seen in pelvic inflammatory disease. Hydatidiform moles are not infectious in nature, and infections are not predisposing factors. Answer 4, a nodular pelvic exam can suggest leiomyomas, which can be asymptomatic or cause abnormal bleeding. This patient has an ultrasound consistent with a molar pregnancy and not uterine leiomyomas. To leave you with a bullet summary, hydatidiform moles present with vaginal bleeding, snowstorm appearance on ultrasound, and vomiting due to hyperemesis gravidum. Moving on to the next question. A 36-year-old G1P0 Caucasian woman in her 12th week of pregnancy presents to her obstetrician with vaginal bleeding. She also reports three episodes of non-bloody, non-bilious emesis. She failed to show up for her last two prenatal visits due to work. Her past medical history is notable for obesity and type 1 diabetes mellitus. Her family history is notable for ovarian cancer in her mother and endometrial cancer in her maternal grandmother. On examination, her uterus is at 16 weeks in size, and she has mild tenderness to palpation on her right suprapubic region. A transvaginal ultrasound in this patient would most likely reveal which of the following. And the choices are 1. Fetal parts. 2. Intrauterine cystic mass. 3. Large intramural masses. 4. Non-viable fetus. And 5. Unilateral ovarian cyst. The correct answer to this question is 2. Intrauterine cystic mass. So the patient presents with vaginal bleeding, emesis, and an enlarged uterus for gestational age, suggestive of a hydatidiform mole. Hydatidiform moles appear as an intrauterine cystic mass without fetal parts on transvaginal ultrasound. Hydatidiform moles are a form of gestational trophoblastic disease in which an ovum is abnormally fertilized. Complete moles form from an empty ovum being fertilized by a single sperm, resulting in duplication of the paternal genetic material, that is 46XX or 46XY genotype. Transvaginal ultrasound may demonstrate an intrauterine mass with a snowstorm, 
cluster of grapes, or honeycomb appearance that reflects the proliferation of trophoblastic placental tissue and swollen chorionic villi in the absence of a fetus. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, fetal parts may be seen in an incomplete mole. Incomplete or partial moles form from a normal ovum being fertilized by two sperm, leading to a 69XXX, 69XXY, or 69XYY genotype. Complete moles are more common than incomplete moles. Answer 3. Large intramural uterine masses likely represent multiple leiomyomas or fibroids. Although large fibroids may complicate a pregnancy, they would not typically present with vaginal bleeding or emesis. Answer 4. A non-viable fetus seen on transvaginal ultrasound suggests a missed abortion. Missed abortions occur when a pregnancy is terminated on ultrasound, but no bleeding or cervical dilation has occurred. And finally, answer 5, unilateral ovarian cysts may be malignant or benign. Although patients with hydatidiform moles are at increased risk of developing bilateral thecolutin cysts, the characteristic appearance of a hydatidiform mole is most likely to be seen on transvaginal ultrasound. To leave you with a bullet summary, complete moles may be seen on transvaginal ultrasound as a large intrauterine mass with cystic spaces without associated fetal parts, often described as a snowstorm or cluster of grapes appearance. And moving on to the final question. A 21-year-old Korean female in her 12th week of pregnancy presents with abdominal pain, vaginal bleeding, and excessive vomiting. A transvaginal ultrasound shows what appears to look like a cluster of grapes. Serology demonstrates a significantly increased beta-HCG, and a physical exam reveals an abnormally large uterus for the gestational age of the pregnancy. Subsequent genetic analysis reveals a karyotype of 46XX. Which of the following is the most likely pathogenesis? And the choices are 1. Ovum fertilized by one sperm and implanted in the fallopian tubes. 2. Ovum fertilized by one sperm and implanted in the uterus. 3. Ovum fertilized by two sperm. 4. Ovum fertilized by one sperm with duplication of the sperm. And 5. Empty ovum fertilized by two sperm. The correct answer to this question is 5. Empty ovum fertilized by two sperm. So the pregnant female has a benign placental tumor called a hydatidiform mole. In this case, it is a complete mole due to an empty ovum fertilized by two sperm. The most likely cause of a complete mole is an empty ovum fertilized by one sperm that duplicates its DNA, though it is still possible, though less likely, for two separate sperm to fertilize one empty ovum. A hydatidiform mole is a benign placental tumor that results in swelling of chorionic villi and trophoblastic proliferation. They are more common in women of Asian descent. Moles can be of two types, complete, the most common, or partial. A complete mole is a consequence of an empty ovum being fertilized by the entry of two sperm, resulting in a karyotype of 46XX or XY, with all chromosomes being of paternal origin and no fetus present. More commonly, an empty ovum will be fertilized by one sperm with subsequent duplication of the sperm producing a karyotype of 46XX or 46XY. A partial mole is a consequence of an ovum being penetrated by two sperm, resulting in a karyotype of 69XXX or XXY, where 46 chromosomes are of paternal origin and 23 are maternal. In partial moles, fetal tissue is present. 
To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, an ectopic pregnancy is a result of a fertilized egg that is one sperm and one ovum implanting in an area other than the uterus, such as the fallopian tubes. It is common for ectopic pregnancies to rupture. If an ectopic pregnancy is suspected, a beta-HCG and transvaginal ultrasound should be performed to confirm a pregnancy and its location. Answer two, a fertilized egg implanting in the uterus is a normal pregnancy. Answer three, an ovum fertilized by two sperm would produce a karyotype of either 69XXX, 69XXY, or 69XYY, which is a partial mole. Partial moles will actually form fetal tissue. And finally, answer four, an ovum fertilized by one sperm with subsequent duplication would produce a 69XXX or 69XYY. To leave you with a bullet summary, a complete mole occurs when an empty ovum is fertilized by one, one sperm that duplicates, or two, two different sperm, which is less likely. That's all for this review about hydatidiform moles. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.